Pulp Arcana, the vintage pulp paperback morgue. a spine-tingling thriller that rivals the best of Robin Cook, Christopher Keene and Dr. William D. Black take us inside DNA, Inc., where men of power and twisted scientific ambition join in a terrifying scheme, and the miracle of childbirth is turned into a chilling nightmare. Christmas babies. Dr. Josh Heller can't explain the alarming rise and difficult labors among his patients at Tampa Memorial Hospital. Many of these women, young, low risk, and perfect health at noon, are dying in the delivery room by midnight. And then there are the babies, tiny infants, distinguished by wisp of red hair and luminescent green eyes. Pat Heller, Josh's wife and a seasoned medical reporter, begins to unravel the enigma of Christmas babies and uncovers a dangerous alliance between a Florida senator and a brilliant psychopathic doctor. They share a deadly secret, a genetic experiment utopian in premise, but horrifying in practice. From the seeds of corruption and greed and madness, their fearsome creations are entering the world. Christmas Babies from Pocket Star Books, 1991. Red hair, green eyes, sheer terrors by Christopher Keene and William D. Black, M.D. I have in my hands a copy of Christmas Babies from Pocket Star Books, 1991. I don't believe there's ever been any reprints of these. So we have pitch black, dark backdrop, and all the italics is in either red, green, Christmas color typing. It's the triad of babies kind of huddled up in the front for their portrait, all looking directly at you. They all have shiny green eyes, just indicative of the book. With red hair, I just now noticed they kind of got like fro hair, or they have kind of like a fro hawk, the mohawk kind of put up. Simple tagline, red hair, green eyes, sheer terrors. This was art, cover art was actually credited Two, Lisa Falkenstern, who's esteemed in the book cover genre of horror throughout the 80s. This was the early 90s now, where covers were a little less grotesque. 
and she's known for the Rockabye Baby transgender nurse cover with Stephen Gresham. The girl next, I don't know if this is official, but the girl next door where it's the skeleton cheerleader from Jack Ketchum, I think she might be credited to that. Uh, I know she did Child Grave by Kren Greenhall. He's, that's the one where it's like the floating voluminous girl head over the cityscape. And she did The Imp. That's the one, it's like the red skin creature choking the bunny rabbit. Um, she also did another baby one, Crib. That's the one where it's like death in a cloak holding the baby. Kind of looks similar to these babies. You can see the resemblance. So these babies, they don't look menacing. There's no blood coming from them. They uh, all look rather cherubic and innocent. Not ugly or gory. Uh, the typing all shines on it. Christmas Babies is written in all red. The tag, The uh, tagline is in green and the author on the bottom is rather small Christopher Keene and William D. Black MD okay let's uh oh wait I'm gonna go to the spine now so it's got the pocket star books logo with the kangaroo and it says Christmas babies no artwork on the side spine here the author's name in green and the retail price on it, four ninety nine US and five ninety nine in Canada. So getting kinda of pricey now that we're in the eighties. That's pretty pricey for the early nineties for a book. Okay. I do have one tag on it. It's from Books and More. A two dollar and fifty cent retail price on the book. It's faded now. It's still on it's right over my tagline too. So the price tag is right over it. And I looked up books and more. The only store I could find was in Wilmington, Ohio. So that's maybe where it's from. I can't remember. I got this book a few years ago online. And a spine-tingling thriller. I already read the back cover, so I'm not going to do that. I'm going to open up the page now so we can go over it. A Madman's Vision. And it gives a little excerpt here from the book. Next page it says Christmas Babies, Christopher Keen, Pocket Star Books, yada, yada, yada. Next page, copyright December 1991, 28 years ago, nearly 30 years ago. Let's see, just copyright information, address. Printed in the USA. This book is a work of fiction. Names, characters, places, and incidents are either products of the author's imagination or are used fictitiously in resemblance to actual events or locales or persons living or dead is entirely coincidental. Dedicated to Susan Crawford. Last page here. Acknowledgements, the author would like to thank the following for their invaluable contributions. Lauren Crawford, Ann Goldstone, William Martin, Sally Peters, 
and Donna Ryan. And then it cuts to the prologue. So that is the book cover of Christmas Babies. Christmas, 1993, from Z-Fave, YA Horror, Scream, series number five, My True Love Gave to Me, from Eric Weiner. You better not shout, someone's in love with Holly Dunn. You better not cry, someone's sick, twisted, evil. You better not pout. This year, that someone plans to show Holly his undying devotion with 12 terrifying gifts. Or else you'll die. And come the last day of the holiday season, whether Holly's been naughty or nice, he's going to give her the ultimate present by turning her white Christmas into a dead Christmas. My true love gave to me. You'll always kill the one you love. Ho, ho, ho. You're dead. My true love gave to me by Eric Weiner. This is JBM from Pulp Arcanum for our skull session on Christmas babies. Now, this is one of the few adult themed horror Christmas books that really allured me to want to review. A lot of YA horror Christmas themes are out there, and those titles will be represented. I read a few plot lines as you've been listening on this podcast, and every year around Christmas time, I will do a Christmas-themed horror book. So this was marketed towards adults, and you, God, you just gotta love the cover. It's those menacing little babies with the red hair and the shiny green eyes. So let's dive in. Let's talk about the themes. First, the author, Christopher Keene. He wrote a number of dramas in the 70s in terms of novels. He's also a screenplay professor. He's a author of several more books, nonfiction, including the fields of geoscience. The books he wrote were The Hunter in 1980, The Crossing in 1978, The Air in 1978, and The Maximus Zone. This is really his only claim to fame in the horror paperback genre that I could find in my research. So, here's the theme. Babies are dying in the hospital. Our setting is a sultry Tampa Bay, Florida. Yes, for the second time in five books are set in hot Tampa Bay, Florida. And this is the Christmas theme. It's not Christmas season. But, um... This is how it pertains to Christmas. The Christmas babies are coming out 
They're being birthed, but they're dying instantly. They're coming out, red hair, green eyes, just like the cover. They fulfill that, but they're dying shortly after. They're not perfect. Even the moms are dying. It'll be like a stillborn death or the mom will be dying. Like There'll be like red weltering sores. So it's not like an it's alive I'm I'm getting right to the meat and potatoes. Obviously, this is spoilers because this is a discussion on the book. It's not like their terrors on the move. Like the It's Alive baby or anything with jagged teeth, like running around, scampering around the sewers, out and ravenous and frothy. No, no, no. So it's all rather tame in that sense. The, the horror themes are are minimal. It's more of a medical thriller. Marketed as a horror, though, from pocketbooks. So they're heavy mainstream, and their horror wasn't too graphic, usually. So, our main character is a couple. One's the wife, one's a doctor, a gynecologist, giving birth to all these babies. The other is the wife of this doctor, who's an investigative medical journalist, which is a convenient title for the book. I mean, convenient title for that character as it comes to the plot and figuring things out, obviously. And it's, it's it's that repeat. Babies being born, babies dying. The doctor's thrown off. He's puzzled. He thinks that he's ruining these babies because he's responsible for them, you know. And so they nicknamed them Christmas Babies because of their look. I'll I'll reveal the um, major spoilers in the ending as we go along. It it takes a while. It's a bit of a build-up, obviously. Another thing is, this was the early 90s, so a lot of hospitals were switching over to computers with their records. That's a big theme in this, too. Computer system being set up by this hot woman named Samantha who plays a pivotal role in the characters here and he's she's setting up the computer and the doctor's just amazed that he could just type in the records and just look up individual patients records and stuff and keep statistics that way and 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 so it's a, it's a tiresome plot in that sense and this is a short book too like rather 263 pages I can't remember exactly but so so that goes on like I said there's not moments of violence much for two thirds of it anyway so I gotta hurry up before the greatest of all time tournament in jeopardy here so I'm filming one session here hold up Pat is the woman and Josh is the doctor and their relationship of course is on the rocks they're not having much sex she's mad at him they're both jealous at each other so she goes off and she starts investigating this local senator in Florida she meets up with him his name's Mannheim over research on his private sector she she has her suspicions of something unscrupulous with these lobbyists. And she grills the senator on loosening up government regulations for 
private medical research. And he explained to her that he's a DES baby and his mom took harmful medicines during pregnancy that left babies susceptible disease. And uh, the senator bribes, ends up bribing her editor to muzzle Pat, the woman. So the editor ends up scolding Pat, and she says journalism is dead, and so she has to go rogue, you know. She doesn't have the support of her editor. And so we go back to New Mexico. They couldn't give us a snowy theme. No, not at all. We have to go to another arid, hot region in the U.S. New Mexico it is. So, some woman there is also pops out a red hair, green eye, freakish elf baby, and the hub, husband's apoplexy, like, incurs these jealous accusations. Husbands are thinking that their wife cheated on them and had these babies that don't look anything like them. But we'll soon learn the secret of it all, of course. Back to Mainheim, the uh, senator from Florida. He sold his family's orange grove, so he comes from a wealthy Florida family who owns an orange grove that he sold. He ran for Congress, and he was elected senator within six years of running for Congress. His mother died of Alzheimer's disease. His daughter died from cancer, and he voted to deregulate genetics research in hopes for finding cures for diseases and donates a lot of his funds to research. So it's not at all as sinister as the impression that they're giving off early here. So Samantha sets up, Samantha is the woman who sets up the computers. She's also hitting on Josh, obviously, because his marriage isn't going too well and she could sense that. And she wants herself a doctor. She makes Josh meet him at her house. And they enter this. She's like, look, you enter the test results to the lab hospital computers. And voila, you don't even have to go down to the hospital, put in the information. So these are obviously pretty vapid and antiquated themes here. And you want to get in a mood where these elf babies are killing people, but they're not. You keep waiting for it, but it doesn't come. So I don't get to describe any graphic and ghastly deaths, unfortunately. So they dress in bathing suits in her cabana, because that's totally Christmassy. Samantha tries to seduce him, but Josh rejects her because he has to be our noble family man character. The biggest twist so far comes when Pat, the investigative journalist, is pregnant in the biggest surprise yet. So now some 19-year-old girl tries committing suicide at the hospital parking lot and Josh pulls her out and she's spewing out, like, green milky substance out of her breast, and she bursts an elf baby, of course, with blue skin, and these, uh, red sores start breaking out on her, and kind of, like, goes into convulsion and dies, 
both of them, mother and child. Uh, let's see here. Samantha puts another licentious move on Josh, but he's still not having it. I think she gets in a kiss. Another big theme is Josh finds out that his medical school classmates start dying all across, dying off the page, all across the country. These are the, his classmates that he went to medical school with who are other OBGYNs. So Josh drives out to Santa Fe, New Mexico and interrogates his doctor friends and colleagues about their mysterious deaths. He sees the correlations of what's happening in his operating room and theirs. And so he's probing into this, and they're experiencing red hair, green-eyed syndrome, too. Uh, Dealing with powers they can't control, as they describe it. It's exquisite landscape, though. Uh... Pros of the desert mesas and arroyos. It, he starts to get in a groove here. This was co-written with a doctor, Christopher Keene and William D. Black, M.D. Um, so he got a lot of the medical jargon, I can imagine, from him. Although it seems like Patricia Wallace, the famous zebra horror author, wrote many medical themed horrors too and weaved a lot of that into her prose and it seemed to be heavier in her books than it is in this book even though they have a doctor year and she was only a nurse I believe anyway so back to the story and what's going on so he's out in New Mexico still meanwhile Pat is still persisting with this senator in D.C., he gets her blackout drunk and they supposedly sleep together. But that's just an assumption and Slater found out to be not true. So none of them cheat. That's a good thing. Um, don't want to necessarily root for adultery even in a book. It's kind of tough to deal with. So... I am going to interject here with a Christmas-themed horror plot read off a Christmas paperback. So enjoy, and I'll catch you on the flip side. Christmas, 1991, from the best-selling author of Horror High, Nicholas Adams, from Harper Paperbacks, Santa Claus. Corey closed his eyes as the familiar dizziness washed over him. Chrissy had been killed by a wild animal. Everyone said so. He hadn't anything to do with her death, so how did he get her bracelet? The sheriff had said there was no human footprints around the body. There was no way Corey could have been near her. Corey felt a flash of pain, then gasped and sank to his knees. Burning in his brain was the image of Chrissy's torn body lying in a pool of red snow. 
He could see himself reaching for the gold chain that circled her wrist. The heavy scent of blood filled the air. Corey jerked back to reality. They had found one set of tracks around the body. Animal tracks. So he couldn't have done it, could he? Another terrifying thriller from Nicholas Adams, author of IOU and the best-selling Horror High series. Santa Claus. Tis the season to be killed. From Bantam Books, Black Christmas by Thomas Altman. Someone has a special gift for the young women of Murdoch. Christmas in Murdoch, a time of cozy safety, snowy sidewalks, and caroling children. But this holiday season, someone is baiting Sheriff Dunsmore in a bizarre and deadly game. Someone is stalking the young women he knows and loves seducing them with icy steel, leaving them for him to find far too late. It's the night before Christmas, and the frightened town edges toward panic, and Dunsmore is about to receive the most terrifying gift of all. Black Christmas by Thomas Altman, 1983. The revelations of Christmas babies is now time for spoilers in the ending. And what's the deal with all these babies turning to elf babies? So, not too much, a little recap, not too much violence has happened. It's all just medical abominations upon birth. And convulsive deaths. So, our two main characters. One's the doctor, the OBGYN, named Josh, who's experiencing all these disasters. And he went out to interview some of his medical colleagues, medical classmate colleagues, and find out same things happen across the country. He got a new computer system. He has this woman named Samantha who's horny and on his tail installing his new computer system. And we have his wife who is one of those pesky journalists whose perseverance has led her to the senator of Florida and his lobbying of free and deregulated medical independent research. Now... She just got drugged by him. She was in his limousine. She puts Pat... She kind of drugs her, I think, with something. And um, she kind of gets the uh, James Bond treatment of pulling the curtain back and going to the main facility, which is DNA Inc., a huge complex in just outside of D.C., I believe. And now this is a lab with test tube baby experiments, gene splicing, Mannheim funded. And the whole point of these elf babies is 
to add genetic attributes added and subtracted. So they're trying to engineer anatomically perfect babies, but obviously it has its consequences and it isn't. It and that's why they have all these distinctions of the red hair and green eyes because it's all manifested and orchestrated by DNA Inc whose genetic engineering has turned horrid. Now, she's drugged and put in a room with tanks of Christmas babies. Um, she gets to meet Dr. Burns, the arch-villain behind it all. These are his babies. He's an egotist. Let's meet him. He's a signaturist, too. You want to know why? Because he's a genetic engineer. And these red he also has red hair, green eyes. It's his tattoo on all the babies to look like him. He has severe disfigurements, though. Well, plastic surgery from the disfigurements because he experimented heavily on himself. Meanwhile, let's jump back to Josh, our doctor. Josh is uh, back in... Florida or New Mexico, who the hell knows, drowning Samantha, who installed the computer system. We learn that she also has red hair and green eyes, and she was installing the computer system at the behest of Dr. Burns and Mannheim. So she's going around the nation sleeping with all his former colleagues and setting up these computers so that they could put implants, genetical implants, into all these babies. Meanwhile, so he drowns her in the pool. It's her only bit of death here in terms of murder. And let's see here. Let's move on. So after he drowns her... Yeah, like I said, Samantha was sleeping with all the OBGYNs and installing new computer systems into their offices. They were sabotaging the computers so they could send her in to set up their own systems. That's why all their computers were failing. That's what they spent the first 65 pages on, remember. Well, you don't. You only had to suffer through a few sentences of me uh, bringing it up and... I had to read the whole damn thing. So it was definitely numbing. Josh keeps revealing he killed Samantha in numerous ways. Oh yeah, it's just like so so dumb. He just like everyone he talks to, he just keeps kinda of calling like hey, if you're looking for a dead body, it'll be next to the pool. If you want Samantha right now, she's about as cold as ice. I killed her. And he just, like, tells his wife on the phone, tells, like, his secretary, calls the cops, tells them. He just, like, keeps on doing this every other page. I keep, like, flicking through. I'm like, holy shit, okay. All right. What's the point? So, you know he's not going to be, um, seek, get justice for that. But we're back to Pat now. At this point, Pat is bound and captive. Dr. Burns... The egotist signaturist, remember? And Mannheim, the senator, bicker over covering things up. Um, 
Totally shouldn't have got the James Bond treatment. She doesn't deserve to know. But she's a journalist, so... And this guy wants to brag, okay? But they still plan on killing her, of course. Josh eventually arrives at DNA Inc. And he learns that Samantha was a test tube creation by Burns' dad. So, holy crap, the, the woman was one of the original test tube babies. And I guess Burns had a dad, too, who started this whole perfectionist thing of creating, you know, superior, healthy bodies and genetics in terms of everything. Physical attributes, color of eyes, and physical and smarts and wit. But... It seems it's like still at an early stage because all of them are backfiring. But he's bra- bragging as if like their intentions are good and everything that they're doing is is morally right. Anyway, so their plan is to brainwash and set up a group of foster kids. Oh, he tells the story of how they all went to medical school. Dr. Burns was in their medical class. So that's why he set up Josh's class. Um, the original Dr. Burns' dad brainwashed and set up a group of foster kids to medical school and implant these pregnant women by the OBGYN. So it was all orchestrated from the beginning to create a generation of perfect genetic babies. And Dr. Burns, he went to medical school with Josh and the others. So this is, so they kind of play it up as this is his revenge against their hazing and, 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 um, other invective behavior towards him. And Burns has heavy plastic surgery, like I was saying, from the experiments on himself before the babies. And Josh and Pat are reunited at this point and, they end up es- escaping, and they run into uh, uh, the neighbor who, who drops them back off at Burns. And Burns threatens to inject Pat with this, this um, some sort of virulent poison. But they get in a scuffle, and Josh ends up stabbing Burns with a syringe. There's not a snowflake to be had, by the way, at this point, where... Nearing the end here, this is the climax that, because they just killed the villain, the evil mad scientist with the syringe, his own poison. Meanwhile, Mannheim is back on the Senate floor giving a speech on his bill for medical research and more liberty to the drug companies to do their research and Pat the journalist and Josh end up bursting in and accosting Mannheim. Josh is cradling a disfigured Christmas baby with him. And, oh yeah, um, before they kill Burns, it's like he, he explains, like, obviously that they have the red hair and green eyes. And he's like, they're my Christmas babies. And that's what it's all built up on. That's the only Christmas theme. They don't even mention the holiday it's not even Christmas time. It's so 
mismarketed. I, I, they could have set it in a better setting and actually played up with the Christmas themes. So these babies aren't medicine, menacing at all. It's, so it's it's a huge letdown in that sense and. And luckily, it was a brief read of like only two hundred and eighty pages or so, so it it's just a rather quick we quick read and it wasn't too badly written. I mean, it was a bit thin, but I mean, there's some poetry here and there. Anyway, so back to the Senate floor, Mannheim getting confronted. They got a disfigured Christmas baby. The ending is Burns is dead. Mannheim goes to jail. They kind of sum it up, you know. It's kind of like they they present the situation and they sum it up like within sentences and stuff. That's the kind of thing. They don't get too in detail here. So, the last chapter, finally. It's Eli. It's the the, um, Operation appears to be devastated and it appears to be done but there's a secret lab up in eli minnesota i don't even know if this is a real place but this is where it takes us to it's a snowscape finally some flakes of snow i think it's christmas time actually and um pat's about ready to have her baby too uh, let's see. Dr. Lou delivers a perfect green-eyed baby with the young OBGYN students. So there's a whole other secret lab and other doctors carrying out the same thing. And, of course, it's an elf baby. Green eyes, like I said. I don't even think it says right here. It just says green eyes. So it's still going on. The epilogue is Pat and Josh. They birth a green-eyed, red-haired baby, too. Like, oh, the horror, the shock, the Rosemary's baby effect. And it kind of falls flat. And I couldn't wait to get it over with. It definitely was a letdown, like I said. And I don't have too much more to talk about too much more to say about this book other than stay tuned for Pulp Arcanum's next episode. I'm going to focus on the Yeti monster. It's going to be more snow themes. Throughout the podcast, a lot of the themes, they're all going to be seasonal, whether it's Easter, winter, spring, summer. That's how it's always been. Um, Halloween episodes. So... Yeah, and stay tuned for more of those. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more plots coming up on the Pulp Arcanum Christmas episode. Pulp Arcanum is a podcast featuring content and discussions on the pulp fiction genres of 20th century literature, horror, adventure, fantasy, and sci-fi. The fantastical stories published in the 1920s pulp magazines ignited the era with an explosion of strange and weird tales. 
to participate in upcoming skull sessions on the podcast, email me directly at pulparcanum at gmail.com. That's P-U-L-P-A-R-C-A-N-U-M. For Facebook, there's a page, Pulp Arcanum Podcast. Also, many paperback collection photos are featured on the Instagram. Next time on the Pulp Arcanum Podcast, Snowman, 1978, Dell Books.